This episode is brought to you by the Renovate program, a program specifically built to help busy professionals renovate their everyday to create the time to change. So here's the question. In our professional services businesses where the rules were written decades ago and the world keeps changing, how do we as experts grow our businesses, support our people, meet disruption, all while staying true to ourselves and our values so that we can thrive? That's the question. This is the In Demand Accountant. I'm Sam Dean, your host, and this show explores the answers. Stay tuned and enjoy some brave conversations. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the In Demand Accountant. I'm your host, Sam Dean. Today, I've got an um, amazing um, interview with an accountant uh, from Newcastle, David Woods, from the Active Accounting Group. I met David um, when I was in Newcastle working with some clients there, and he was actually um, referred to me by one of my quality, uh, sorry, quality surveying clients, and he has a super interesting practice and, and the way that it's set up. I started this conversation because I really liked um, the chat that I had and we're you know, obviously running tax planning series at the moment and I really felt that that was going to be the focus of this interview. And it, while we did talk about tax and, and FPT and how to integrate that into our systems, I think the episode was so powerful really around the multiplier effect of relationship-based based businesses. And what I loved about the conversation is how um, David used a vulnerability and personal growth around accounting and particularly the tax planning piece to um, develop really meaningful partnerships with both his team and clients. And this episode really talks about the multiplying effect of working with your team and trust and really making that those courageous, dis- uncomfortable decisions that we make and how discomfort actually breeds growth, both personally and in your business life. Anyhow, sit back and listen to two accountants having a great conversation, and I really hope you enjoy it. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the In Demand Accountant. I'm your host, Sam Dean. Today, I have got David Woods from Active Accounting Group. They're based in Newcastle. I met David a little a few months ago. Uh, referred to actually one of my quantity surveying and I was absolutely intrigued by our conversations I had to get him on because I think that he really is a a really good example of people who are already working and um, shifting their businesses forward in our industry to be more in demand and so I thought I'd have him on so welcome David thank you so much for joining us thank you what I would like to start off with is just tell us a little bit about yourself Um, how did you come to um, not so much being on this podcast, but um, yeah, tell us about your business and, and your journey to today. Sure. So a um, bit of an unusual journey, I suppose, in terms of how I become a tax accountant at one stage I was. I suppose I, I started, I was managing a pub in Newcastle, or managing a restaurant actually, and started uni and I was, did part of a civil engineering degree and sort of quickly left that because of the face-to-face hours was too many hours a week while I was working 50 hours in the pub. So working a lot with customer service and in the pub and the, the restaurant and stuff like that. Decided to give up the civil engineering degree, so I did six months of that. Prior to that, I'd started an architecture degree and sort of canned that as well for similar reasons and um, ended up finding a finance degree at Newcastle Uni. So I, I did the finance degree and kind of went, oh, what do I do now? I'm not really sure 
what a finance degree does or gets me or where I should go. <laughs> um, so I did a bit of work experience, which was a lot different, obviously, to the face-to-face -face uni stuff. As an accountant in, in actually the um, Brett that I share an office space with, so I did some work experience with him and uh, went for an interview at Catcher and Nail, so another Newcastle firm that I sort of worked at for a couple of years. The day I got the job offer, I actually got an offer to try it for the AMBO, so I tried to join the AMBOs and didn't pass it through the driving test somehow, and um, that was the end of my <laughs> so I, I, really I didn't get much feedback on what specifically it was about the driving component that I didn't pass, but I don't know that I really wanted to know, to be honest. So, yeah, so I, I took the job um, that I got offered and that started my accounting career. It was quite a large firm, you know, with, with your junior accountant, accountant, intermediate, senior, yep. manager, supervisor, partner, one of those horribly inefficient firms, I guess, in terms of the structure, in my in my opinion. Yeah, so, so did I worked there. you know that when you were working in the firm or did is that something you kind of learnt since the work that you've done since? It's something that I've learned since since being there. Yeah. So at the time I you know it was my first role, I, I sort of didn't know any better. Yeah, so I, I just thought it was the way that things were done and the way that, you know, I thought it was good for the clients and, and good for, you know, careers and stuff like that. But I, I guess I take a different view on that with the things that I've seen and experienced and, you know, changed over time, so. So what was your, when you um, have shifted, because I mean, the structure you have in your business now is very different. Could you just tell, just give us a quick, without giving too much information away, obviously, but of the structure of Active Accounting Group, because it is actually different um, from most um, accounting firms. Yeah, it is, it's a little bit unique. I mean, for starters, Brett and I, Brett's married to my sister, so we're, we're brother-in-laws, but he runs a separate business. We share the overheads and costs um, associated with that based on sort of what hours we use yeah. um, month to month and we adjust for that. So yeah, so it works really neat where you've got, you know, disparities or you've got someone doing a lot more work or a lot less. So we split that about 65, 35 or something. Oh no, it's probably about 60, 40. It's a split on that, so um, I guess it's a little bit unique, the structure, I guess, in terms of we've got all senior accountants, so we've got really well-qualified and experienced accountants who basically have really good, really good relationships with the clients, have the ability to have good conversations and discussions um, with those clients and build that relationship, so that the staff are dealing directly with myself or Brett, depending on whose client it is, and they're also direct, dealing with directly with the client as well. So it's the clients know they're going to get myself and a really well qualified senior accountant. So really flat structure, um, yep. really well accountants, and then we have a really high level admin support team that sit underneath that. So they almost pick up some of those sort of, um, I guess, more junior accounting type related right. roles you've seen, like a traditional accounting firm to some degree. So it's not for everyone. It doesn't. It's not the best structure. If you know, I think the old, and this is how I sort of grew up in my accounting career as well, was that you've got to be a junior, become a senior, become a manager, and eventually become a partner because that's just the natural progression mm -hmm. of how that works. Yeah, we kind of, that's not how we do things here. It's a bit different. <laughs> and it, and it works well. You know, the, the questions that we often ask are, is it good for us? Is it good for the client? So, you know, if it ticks up this boxes, we go, well, it's probably going to work. And for the client, they're going, well, it, it's less, it's more efficient. Um, we're getting someone who's really well qualified if Dave's in a meeting. You know, and I can get Aaron or Simon or Hannah, you know, yeah. to, to ask a quick question and get a quick response. You know, small business owners want to want to make quick decisions and move on quickly. They don't want to wait a week or two or five weeks to, you know, buy their new vehicle or to be able to 
make you know significant businesses. I think you just pulled a you know there's quite a lot there. Um, I'd like to unpack one or two of them. I think the first of all the model going forward. I think the ownership model is really interesting because that's very much what I call a medical practice model. Um, you, you see that all the time in the medical industry. Why right? it's not unique? To, it's unique to ours. I have seen one or two people do that, but not as well. I think you know the actual way you do the hourly rates and everything when you're actually using it, rather than just going 50/50 or per fees or, or whatever. Those more arbitrary, easier um, ones are. But then the structure itself. So how have you got over the problem? When I hear from, um, and I'm working with other firms, um, or I'm working with any kind of professional services firms, it's like, well, how do we get those guys up to the senior accountants, and who's doing the work in between? So I think I heard right, is that your administration, which is really strong, is doing a lot of the more administrative roles in, in the actual accounting process, which I assume is getting it up to financial statements, data cleaning, all of that. Or are you using any? Um, and then, so that's the first question. And the second question is, how do you do you grow junior um, people who might start with um, one or two years experience up through that model? Yeah, sure. So the stuff that I guess the admin support team yeah. does, you know, fill out work papers before yeah. the account gets a job. They're running checklists to go, have we got all the info to, to kick off the yep. job so you know, we won't start something until we've got every piece of info that we sort of know about. Oh, you're laughing my heart there, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, so they'll, they'll take that off. We'll have all the bazes at Main Lodge go into a, a work paper, you know, the schedules, there's all bits and pieces. You know, ATO phone calls, closing the loop with clients around, hey, we've set this payment arrangement up for you, here's the detail, that's all admin focus and admin role. The workflow, you know, scheduling the workflow, the FBT, FBT emails, you know, that whole process is sort of, you know, if you think back to the old, Sherlaw's model, it's like the red of the blue, red, black sort of process. So yeah. it's um, it's that support role and, and that's that's the kind of stuff that they do. Fantastic. Just before I get to that second question, which I'll rerun for you, um, yeah. you mentioned their Sherlaw's. So I assume you, you use them and then I understand you had different coaching. So people have actually helped you grow some of these processes? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's some, there's some stuff that's really stuck with me over time that you and I had spoken about as well when we caught up. But there's, you know, I've been fortunate enough to to have exposure to both personal coaching and business coaching. Well, they're kind of the same thing because, you yes, know, they how, are. How, 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 how you show up personally and vice versa in, in my view anyway. So, you know, you can't finish up work and go, I'm going to be Dave personal and come to work mm -hmm. and you're going to be Dave the business guy which in fact is something that I really struggled with early on in my career thinking that you know I had to be this you know this suited accountant you know with a tie and had to show up in a certain way for for clients and I yeah. guess it took me a long while to unbreak that that model or that view of it so you know I kind of had a bit of a felt a bit funny I guess about being an accountant until I really really understood or got to learn what it was that I could help people do or understand. So, you know, I used to go to a networking event really early on in my career and people would go, what do you do? And I'd sort of put my hand over and whispering, I'm, I'm an accountant. You know, you know, I, I didn't, I just didn't, just didn't feel comfortable with it. I don't know why. And, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of reasons why. But, yeah, so it's... it's That's intriguing. That's intriguing. I, I'm actually looking at um, David now, guys, but he has... um. He does look actually like an ambo, <laughs> like you were mentioning that before. 
But I mean, you certainly, um, and it's so interesting, like what, what is an accountant supposed to look like? And I suppose, you know, you're talking about the suit and the tie and, you know, you've got a polo shirt on. I think a lot of people do that too. But it's like this, our business clients want to talk to humans. So it doesn't really matter what we look like. But yeah, when you go to networking events, I, I always say that if I want, if I don't want the person next to the plane to tell me, to talk to me, I say I'm an accountant. And if I do, I say I'm a coach. But, <laughs> but I guess, I, uh, I guess. Yeah. I guess they're similar roles, really. Like, I could be an, an ambulance or a paramedic, and you know, I'm yeah. helping people either yes. create more life for themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess, as an accountant or a business advisor, you're doing the same thing. You know, you, you're there, to, you're helping people, and you know, they're, they're vastly different in terms of what they do, but in terms of the doing of it, they're probably not, you know, too dissimilar in that sense, I guess. Well, it's interesting to, you know, talking about accountants, I mean, the definition of accountant, um, one of them is, um, you know, to keep people accountable. Um, yeah. And I think the health, I mean, a lot of the work that I've done in the past is based on the health systems um, and the health, you know, we, we did a lot of work in allied health and stuff like that as well. And it's health wealth, you know, is all linked. And what we do as accountants, particularly around tax, a little bit around tax, but around finances and making people feel comfortable with them, greatly impacts people's health absolutely yeah, yeah why you have gone about it a different way and you're meeting hopefully you know when you're an amber you're meeting people in crisis and hopefully as a tax accountant you're not meeting people in crisis but i think you probably often will you know particularly yeah. if they're new clients so i think that's a nice um, segue into you know tax planning and can i just ping back on one thing you said back there um, around the FBT. So did I hear it right? Because it always fascinates me that people don't integrate FBT into the whole tax and tax planning and everything. Did I hear right that that's kind of just blended in as well? It's not just for people who may or may not need it and is a, is, it's part of the system? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, you know, 31 March, tomorrow, 31 March rocks around and, you know, we've got, you know, emails that have been sent out to, to all our business clients. <laughs> checklist and some info around FBT and shout out if you've got any questions obviously but yeah so it does it integrates just into the, the whole picture of how we do things and and sort of schedule things in and make sure that you know as a business owner you kind of know what your roles or responsibilities are or what rules there are out there that we need to be considerate of from a tax point of view I guess so but yeah it, it integrates into the whole way of doing things here. So what I'm hearing there is there's a, is a, there's a quite a large education piece there that you offer through all your tax work as well around, you know, fringe benefits tax, tax, or all, all, all the different income tax, obviously, um, tax planning and stuff as well. So, you, yeah. you know, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think for a business owner, like, they're engaging us to support them with their business. So I think it's important that you do, that people understand mm -hmm. why we're doing things or what we're doing, you know, and you might not, you might not go into the level of detail or explain the tax ruling or the tax law because people might fall asleep. But, you know, it's important to give them a high-level picture and go, hey, we've done this because of that or, you know, we've done this and this is a result of it. Uh, as a business owner, I think they need to understand that. And I think that's where a lot of accountants could go from good to excellent is to be able to have some of those better conversations or explain to people why it is that they're doing stuff because I think accountants get very good at doing this with their head down. But are not very good at asking questions or, you know, talking a lot. And, you know, I, I say to my clients, we'll ask you stuff the same, probably similar, some some of the same questions next year that what we've asked you this year because if something's changed, I, I want to know. But, you know, hopefully we're having those conversations. Like it's 
as the year goes on, it'd be very rare that I wouldn't speak to a client for longer than four to six weeks. It'd be super rare. Oh, that, that's a really interesting thing. And I think too, I like to draw down on that because we are coming up to um, tax planning season as well. You mentioned FETs tomorrow, but um, so guys, we're recording this a little earlier than it will drop. And then, um, you know, we're coming into April, May, June, which is traditionally tax planning. And it's always frustrated me a little bit about tax planning should be done in advance, not like not reactively and, and sometimes at, at the end, but that conversation and education piece and that you speak to your clients for every four to six weeks. So do you integrate tax planning sort of all year round? Is that what I'm hearing there? Yeah, we're, you kind of, I guess you're having conversations with clients. Well, when you are having conversations that regularly with clients. So, you know, if I jump in the car and I shoot down to Sydney or, or wherever, if I'm in the car and I've got a decent drive, I'll just print off a list and go, oh, who haven't I spoken to for the last couple of weeks? I'll give them a buzz and just check in with them. Um, mm-hmm. It's amazing and you've probably done this yourself, Sam, where you pick up the phone and they go, oh, Woody, I was going to ring you yesterday, but I just I got busy doing yeah. stuff. Um, I've got all these questions yeah, for you. Need your help with something? And you're kind of like, you know, they think you've read their mind or something. <laughs> you've contacted them. But, um, yeah, so, you know, it's, it's because you're having those conversations super regularly, you know, and I think re- super regularly compared to a lot of other accountants that I hear out in the marketplace, you, you're sort of front of mind and you're sharing stuff with your clients and they're sharing stuff with you about what's happening as well. So you're always kind of getting constantly updated and they're going, well, and you you know, I had a bad month or I had a really good month and, you know, I picked up this new contract or I'm thinking about buying this new bit of equipment and you start going, okay, well, what have you got? You know, have you got a contract to use that bit of equipment in and start having sort of some of those relevant conversations and you start to go, it starts to trigger things to go, I need to ask more questions around, you know, is there income for it? Do you need to put more yeah. stuff or what's happening, you know, from a business point of view? So there's, there's you know, the, it, be, it just becomes a greater, a better conversation, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's interesting when you said your, your background as well with engineering, but the, uh, more the hospitality um, style of business as well, um, and, th- and that conversation piece, because I think as we go forward, the conversation piece is what drives it. And I think you also hit one of the big blocks that we quite often get, obviously, with accountant, with being accountants is, is the time block. Oh, I don't have time to do that. And you just picked up something like driving or, you know, doing this. And it's not a big conversation either. It's just, it's, it's like a uh, how are you doing conversation, I'm going to guess. And like, it's exactly. just like, that's it. Um, yeah. And it, yeah. I was going to say, to me, it's like ringing a buddy that, you, you know, a mate that I haven't seen for a couple of weeks and going, hey, that's how things, you know, can, you know, you want to catch up and have a beer or grab some lunch or grab a coffee or something. I haven't seen you for a while. You know, yeah, so that's you're doing very much the relationships and then your senior accountants then are actually getting the end of year done and, and getting all that sort of stuff. So that's how you've created the space and the time in your business, I'm assuming. Is your it, is. More- it, it is definitely, but I guess, and I was going to mention this before, it's really important that, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to do what I do without the support of those senior accounts as well. And they, they hold a lot of that relationship as well. So they'll, you know, they'll have a, a good relationship with the client just like I do. Um, and I think that's important. And in traditional firms, in my experience, you know, the partner kind of goes, oh, they're my clients. No, I'll, I'll ring them. You can't talk to them. <laughs> um, and there's this massive level of fear of going, well, uh, if I let Sam talk to that client, you know, maybe they're going to leave. And if Sam leaves, well, then they might leave with Sam. And kind of go, well, that fear-based mentality 
kind of sitting there going, it's not really going to allow you to grow your business or your senior accountant or your client. Um, so giving that you know level of freedom to the team or to the accountants to be able to pick up the phone and talk to the client or have that autonomy in the work that they do to, to know that you know Brett and I back them and we've got their back if something happens or goes wrong or they need the support or the, the coaching to get through something. You know, it's 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 a really integral part of the business that relationship with them and the client as well because it's kind of like that three-way relationship, and they know that they've got me and someone else. Massively and it improves your business. So if you did decide to be suddenly become an ambulance driver and you've got your driving under control at some point, yeah. which I hope you have, but I don't know about the phone calls, but um, <laughs> <laughs> these guys can just jump up like they're there and I think that or you want to go away for six weeks or eight weeks you know that maybe they they haven't got those additional conversations but the business still runs so it's a risk really mitigation thing as well and then those senior accountants can then you know looping back to that question that I did ask around the junior people coming up so then your senior accountants are teaching them how to do their stuff that like to have those conversations because it always you know it always amuses me particularly as i'm a i'm fascinated by human behavior and the efficiency of it is that as and i did this as a partner as well by the way this is something i've learned is that we stop our accountants from t talking to anyone for like four or five years and then you use the word then they're fearful it's like oh my god and then suddenly they're supposed to pass over this relationship barrier with no form and it's terrifying like you know talking to other people yet we allow our administration and everything who do also build beautiful relationships to do it from 18 or 19. so um this is the key going forward because we are relationship-based businesses we're not tax businesses anymore like we're not tax businesses we're relationship yeah. businesses um uh -huh. so it's it's fantastic to hear that everybody can pick up the phone and ring clients and honestly clients love it when we do staff interviews, what we found, and I think you already know this, is that the more you empower your staff, the more likely they're to stay. They want to stay there then. Yeah, the reason sure. why people is for the relationships. Yeah. So it's I think being I think also just to add to that, Sam, I think being clear and really open and um, transparent and being vulnerable with your team as well, which Brett and I did eight months ago. We just went, hey come guys, we know we probably haven't done some stuff we should have, can you guys give us some feedback? Yeah. You know, and, then, and then acting on that to be able to make it a better place to work, to be able to make it better for us, to be able to make it better for the clients, for the team, to make it more enjoyable and, and easier for those guys. You know, so we're super clear on what their role looks like and then saying to them, you can even go and sign stuff off with the clients that you've got an amazing relationship with you just go, I love that client. You know, yeah. you can be happy for you to sit, sit in there and sign them off. And I think for me the biggest thing was just listening to other people's conversations as a junior accountant. I was listening to other people's conversations, getting in on meetings, which I asked to do at a super young career age, I suppose. You know, and one of the guys that taught me some of that is one of the guys I look up to still and go, if I didn't sit in some of those meetings, I probably wouldn't, you know, have picked up some of the skills I have today. And then listening to the way different people do different things, you create your own style and you develop your own way of sort of doing things so you know it's hard to go like you said it's hard to get the five years and go okay now you've got the relationship and here's the box that it fits into and here's how you do it because you know you've got to build that over time and go oh that didn't feel comfortable or that really worked for me or you know sam talking to a client and ask these questions their questions that will probably stick with me 
Um, so you've got to have that experience, I think. Like you said, it's not just a five years, boom, here you go, see ya, good luck. <laughs> I know, and it is, and you heard that, that word relationships, they take time too. Yeah. Like to build trust, is it, it to have relationships takes time um, and not just, and it's not around the technical stuff. People people don't remember what we do for them. They definitely, and I think that how, how we make them feel. And that's really hard for us because we're not trained um, in that area. And it's so fascinating to meet you that clearly you've had training in that yourself. Did you, obviously with your coaches, they helped you through it. But to me, it also sounds like you trained yourself by listening to others and I think this is one of our big blocks and everybody listening, I think you can learn from David here, is that he took the time that wouldn't have been able to put on timesheets, I'm going to assume, back then and look at how much that time has come back to him over and over and over again in, in his ability to grow his businesses and actually build very close relationships with their clients and then teach others to do it. Would yeah. that be correct? Yeah. Oh, it's a, yeah, it's a huge investment in time and even, you know, even today I still invest a lot of time you know, doing personal coaching, business mentoring, you know, reading books, a whole bunch of different stuff that if people are worried about what their billable time is or how they're, you know, or I could be doing something better or more chargeable or whatever, you know, it does come around in multipliers, I think. And if I was to look at the dollar value I've invested and make sure you hear the word invested, not spend, yeah. in personal and business mentoring, it'd be over a million bucks, easy. Yeah, me too. And I, I kind of didn't do it. I wasn't as privileged to have it earlier. Well, actually, I was because I, I didn't realize. But I did Dale Carnegie with my my dad's work in when I was eighteen. So Dale Carnegie, I assume everyone knows who that is. If not, look it up. Nineteen um, thirties, <laughs> and all the way through to have that training. And then you know when even when I was owning when I was owning. Um, the tree businesses and stuff, we didn't spend any money there. And then coming back into the accounting practices, we would spend money on going to conferences about valuations and all of this sort of, and business advisory conferences either as well. But there was none of that personal internal development that you need to mindset shift now of just tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars. But then we can do things that we never thought possible. You know, it, it's such an interesting thing. The more money and time you spend on your internal work, the more it comes back at you. And it's really hard because that's the hardest place to be is inside yourself. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, 100%. And I think I, I always say to people too, I, I think that I'm really fortunate that I get to work with a whole bunch of different people. So, yeah. you know, they might be different industries or similar, it could be the same industry, but they don't have to be. And, and you see what works for some people and what doesn't. And you build and grow and sort of leverage off mm -hmm. that as well. So you go, oh, will that work over there? And it's probably going to work for Sam. Um, yep. So you can have a discussion around it and go, oh, I actually saw these guys do it and it was really successful. And they go, oh, yeah, cool. So you get, like, you're building all this wealth of knowledge around, like you're learning from your clients even, going, oh, that worked really well for them, you know. So it's it's even from a client perspective that you get to share some of those benefits with other people and spread that and grow that within your network as well, which is really cool. Oh, that's a great tip, David, because I think, you know, as a, account, as tax accountants, you know, to use that term for a second, you know, we have nine out of 10 businesses on our databases. So nine out of 10 people have it. And the wealth to learn, I, I never had a client even uh, that I haven't learned of. Um, and as I said, said before, we did a lot of medical work and a lot of our product programs now are actually based around some of that stuff. 
working with personal coaches, like business mentoring them, again, same thing. And I'd, I just, mine, we've got a new um, ideal client now is we want to learn as much as we can um, from our clients as much as they want to learn from us as well. Because going forward, the collaborative businesses, I think, bringing all that information together and then being able to collaborate it as you are. So you're learning this and that and, and is, is so powerful. And we can also teach people how to do tax too, which is very important because you want your clients to pay as much tax as they can because it means they're making shit ton of money. Yeah, I had a guy say that to me the other day. He said, oh, this, this person told me once, if you've got a big tax bill, that's good because you've earned lots of money. <laughs> well, that's not a, bad, yeah. not a bad thing. Yeah, it's not a bad thing because if you're not paying tax, there's a, there's a problem. Either morally, you're not doing the right thing or you're not making any money. So it's like, yay. So I think going back to what you said too, Sam, you, I think you've got to, I was thinking as you were talking about, you know, you, you've got to, to be able to learn from your clients, you've got to have the ability to listen as well. And so ha having some of that personal development and some mm -hmm. of that coaching and whatever you decide that works for you gives you the ability to stop and go every time you're listening to someone, what can I take out of this or what can I learn from it or, you know, how can I do things differently? And sometimes yeah. there's blockages if you don't have that the ability to like you said be inside yourself I guess and, and sit back and reflect or look at it and go hey that could work really good for me. I think listening is the key because we, we train a lot of conversations there's two parts of conversations there's you know listening listening and then there's talking and uh, you know I had to actually teach myself how to listen and it is it is actually a teachable skill and some people do it better but some people particularly ex it's interesting people think extroverts, sorry, introverts listen better. They don't necessarily, um, but they're just quieter. So it, it, listening is an interesting thing. Um, and you are spot on. Twofolds here of what you're saying is take some of the stuff that we, we're looking for business models of the future going forward in the accounting industry or any industry that um, any professional services industry, yet we're talking to people every day who can help us with that in our clients you know so we can learn and learn and, and then if we're listening to them we can help them even more yeah yeah absolutely as well i still haven't answered your question about the about the trainees or the juniors yes sorry we do, do need to talk about trainees how do you get them up uh, through this look it's hard it's i don't know if there's a lack of skills out there at the moment we've been looking for a couple of new senior accountants for for quite some time now for the last couple of months not from the lack of interviewing people because we've interviewed people that you know, haven't been the, the right fit for us or for them. So we are we are looking and one of the things that we were discussing the other day is do we go back to a model where we take, you know, someone that's straight out of uni, no experience and, and train them up in a role. I guess there's challenges with that in terms of as if we've got a flat structure. So we've got, you know, a whole bunch of different people that can add to, to the training and help with that. We used to, with some of our best candidates or some of our best team members have been people that have come from, you know, straight out of uni. So it's hard not to sit here and reflect on that and go, maybe it would be a good thing to go back to thinking about whether we should do that again. The model that we've created kind of doesn't really support that. It supports it in a way, but it's not really what, what we're trying to achieve. So it's, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I don't have the, I haven't figured it out just yet. So there, there, may be, there may be a time where we go, hey, this junior candidate's great and, you know, we know we've got the systems, we know we've got, we know we've got the processes, we know we've got the support to train them. So it's not that. It's just probably finding someone to jump into that role where they go, I can hit the ground running, I can have the conversations with the client, 
you know, I can ask the right questions. Um, yeah. So it's, it is a bit more time intensive and um, a bit more of a, a bit more support needed from the team as well, which sort of takes away from some of the stuff that they're doing as well day to day. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, and we we try to solve this problem all the time because there is a shortage. Like there is no question there is a shortage of accountants out there, and there's a number of reasons for that. And um, we've done a lot of research into this. First of all, there's a a massive ex, exodus of women, you know, because of not seeing themselves as leadership or, or having babies or whatever that is, and and not having the flexibility. So that is well over 50 to 60 percent of the graduates are, and certainly are, are women. So there's that. The outsourcing is, I don't think, one of the bigger issues um, at all. And then the other thing is, when I did an accounting degree, sorry, when I did a business degree. 32, 33 years ago, you went one place to accountants. Now you do it, you go eight or nine. Um, yeah. And our industry just is not looking that great for people. So yeah. then, you know, you do have the bigger money. There's a whole lot of reasons. But what we're finding, the, the juiciest one, is we find people with life skills who can have the conversations we teach them tax. Yeah. Tax takes not a long time to, to learn. The other stuff actually takes longer. So... Yeah. Um, and we've got firms in way out west who have people that I would have on my team tomorrow who are 25 years old, they don't even have an accounting degree, but they can yeah. get all the way up to tax strategy. And then obviously the, the qualified. So there's a lot of ways to rethink this. Hope I gave you a couple of tips there. But um, you still need to bring the young people up, though. We do need to go back and say, okay, we need to find the graduates and, and, and bring them through too because we want – they're going to be their clients of the future as well. So, because they yeah. actually get on and they can communicate with the, what are they called? Not the millenniums, the zeros, the noughts, or whatever. They <laughs> say I'm a Gen X, so I have no idea. Um, they speak a different language in some respects. So, um, we need to bring them through as well and we need to give them the stuff. So, it's a hard one. We're not going to solve it, but Jesus is going to be fun trying, trying to. That's all right. <laughs> okay. So there you go, people. That was fantastic because there was an expert telling you that he doesn't have all the answers. So that was so refreshing. And no one has the answers to that one, by the way. Fantastic. Um, but I think you've got the right thing because they're seeing people having having conversations and, and you've got a very open workplace as well. Very good. Okay. Well, that was fantastic. So how I usually leave off um, these interviews is just with three tips that can be business focused or personal focused or whatever I want or even footy focused if you must but <laughs> I didn't. I'm a Tigers supporter and I did go and watch them beat the Knights on uh, on Sunday afternoon so I'll, I'll leave that one alone for the Novicastrians down <laughs> that are listening. Yeah. Three tips eh? I had an old boss one say to me you need to look after your team look after mm -hmm. your clients and look after your family because without looking after one of those the other two will fail oh, and yeah. Yeah, so that was something that always stuck with me and it's always something that I sort of think of and go, that's really cool. So I notice in my life if I feel like I'm, and I, I think I shared with you, I went and saw Pauline Ewan talk and she was yeah. sort of, she was explaining, you know, I'll walk along this tightrope and, you know, she said, oh, shit, shit, too much work, better do a bit more life. And she yeah. said, I guarantee you no one's going on a tightrope going, oh, shit, too much life, I need to do a bit more work. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. She was saying, you know, the work-life balance is, is bullshit. But if I find, you know, that I'm not supported in one of those areas, yeah, then the other two, the other two will struggle a bit. So it's, it's, you know, you got to get that happy balance and that 
make sure that they're all on a level playing field. I think um, that was three good tips in one, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> just invest some money. Like, you know, it can be really nervous if you haven't done any sort of business or personal coaching or, you know, start journaling or do something that feels uncomfortable because the stuff that feels uncomfortable is the stuff that you really grow from. And, and you know, initially I was apprehensive about doing personal coaching and, and business coaching. I was like, what do these guys know? You know? I know so much about myself. I'm you know, a 20-year-old male. I've already discovered the world and know it and you know, I've figured this thing called life out. But if you don't constantly have someone as a mentor or a coach or as, you know, someone to bounce things off, it can be really tricky. And, you know, you go through times where you'll evolve and sometimes there's not a need for that or, you know, you step back and go, I'm just going to give it a rest for a bit. But it's important to keep working on that stuff because it is the stuff that you feel uncomfortable about that, as I said, keeps you growing. And, you know, some of the most profound moments in my life have been from doing some personal and, and business coaching. So if you haven't done something, have a chat with Sam or, you know, get involved. Because it's it's an yes. investment. It's not, a, not an expense. It's not a cost. Third one. I think that was you had two or three in each of those. <laughs> I think that... Well, um, Last one would just be lead, lead with love and not fear. So be loving and, you know, treat, you know, for me, you don't need to show up as anyone else but yourself. But, you know, there's a lot of people that come from this fear of losing clients or fear of, you know, someone thinking they're going to show up the wrong way. Just, you know, if you if your intentions are pure and you want to help people and you genuinely love doing what you do and you want to throw some love out there, throw it out there because it will come back in multiplies as well, just like the business and personal coaching. Fantastic. I think that, that they were amazing, um, particularly the last one. I think the, the lead lead with love and or lead with kindness, um, you just can't actually go wrong. I mean, and a lot of uncomfortable things will happen with that. There's a lot of vulnerability for sure. But um, that they were beautiful words. Thank you, David. <laughs> um, 16 tips, wasn't it? 16 tips? No, that's good. I love tips. They were all fantastic. They were, they were, they were really good ones. Anyhow, so... Thank you so much for that. That was a really enjoyable um, thing. I, I, I thought we would talk a little bit about tax planning, but we just delved into so much more. And, and that's that's the thing is that in this journey that we call life and business, which is blended together, all of the stuff that you were talking about, and it's all about te people, teams and clients and people, people and love. Um, and then uh, that word that I, I absolutely love and hate at the same time is, you know, really leaning into that discomfort as well because the more we get uncomfortable the better life is and that sucks but um that's true <laughs> yeah, go and have that, go and have that difficult conversation that you didn't want to have and yep. you know i had one before i was on the phone to you with a mate of mine and um yep. you get through those difficult conversations and just all keeps expanding very good thank you so much great amazing thanks sam Thank you so much for your time. We work super hard on helping professional services experts to create time in their everyday to create change. If that sounds like you, jump on blueprinthq.com.au to book a free consultation so we can continue the conversation. And as always, be brave.